All right. So we are in Baruch Sha'amar. Last week we talked about Nehalelcha. We will reflect your praise. Um, that is really the overarching uh, form of praise for Pesuket de Zimmer in general. It's Halel, right? It's, it's forms of the davening of the Tehillim, which is also Tehillim is Halel, same <coughs> word. But we're moving on here to Bishvachos with praise, Uvizmiros with songs, Negadelcha, Uneshabechacha, Unefaercha, Vinazkir Shimcha. I think Nazkir Shimcha we're probably not going to get to today. That'll probably be next week. Bishvachos with praise, Uvizmiros with songs. And we'll talk about it briefly, but um, not so much because at the beginning of Psuke de Zimra, we talked about like these different definitions, like where Zimra is related to pruning, right? So it's, it's song and yet it's a cutting back, which related to the Yerushalayim. Negadelcha, and this is a funny word to translate um, because to make something gadol is to make it big. But what could it mean to say that you're gonna make Hashem big, like expand you, but that doesn't make sense, right? So we have to come back to that. We will praise you. Unafa'ercha, glorify you. V'nazkir shimcha, and recall your name. V'namlichicha, and crown you as our king. Malkinu Elokeinu, our king, our lord. All right. So, with regard to Shira and Shevach, Shvachos uvizmiros. We'll praise you and we'll sing to you. And that idea of zimra, song that's related to zmura, pruning, and Yerushalayim, and cutting back. So there's a very interesting piece from Rav Hirsch's commentary. It, it's not really a commentary to the Haggadah. They assembled his commentaries from other places into the Haggadah. Haggadahs are amazing that way. You just know. A Haggadah is something you can use year-round because by the time you have all the parts that are from Shmos, which is like this time of year, and then you come back through them again, Pesach time, you get months and months of use, minimum, out of any like Haggadah, except that you can't put it out on Pesach if you've been using it for Hametz the whole time. So there is that problem. So with Refresh, I just have three copies of the Haggadah, and that way I can have like my, my Hametzy one, and I can have my non-Hametzy one. <laughs> Okay, and then I have the one that was like for the time that we couldn't find the non-Khamitsi one, so I had to quickly get another one because I couldn't manage without it, so I had to have my, my Rav Hirsch Haggadah. Okay, so Rav Hirsch says, and he's, this is really on, so why am I saying it's so valuable? Because number one, you get commentaries all throughout Shmos. You get tons of things about tefillah. You get commentaries on Hallel, because Hallel's in the Haggadah, right? So a really good Haggadah can contain like, huge amounts of the basics for living your life can, can all end up in a really well-edited Haggadah. Okay. It's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, people don't think of it, though. They, have, yeah. they don't, might not realize it because they're thinking, oh, well, I'll use it on Pesach. I might make your seat until 3 o'clock. <laughs> right. But I really find, like, there's a Rav Tzadok Haggadah. Unbelievable. Like, I don't know who did it. Who took from all of his writings and put them in order of where they fit with the Haggadah. 
you get, it's like unbelievable. Yeah, so reverse, they did that also through fell time. Um, so he says about Tehillim, where it says, <coughs> You have pushed me hard to make me fall. The Hashem Azarani, but Hashem helped me. So he's like, David is talking to his enemies. You tried to push me down, but Hashem helped me. Ozi vizimras ka, my strength. I don't even know how to translate it. Yeah, I'm having, I'm struggling. Let me see how how they translate it here. Ozi is my strength. Vizimras ka, zimras is just a little tricky because it means the song of God. Okay, so say Hashem was my strength and my song, except that grammatically you have zimras. It's not that Hashem was my song, it's the song of Hashem. Okay. Vaihili lishua, and he or it was my salvation. Okay, so here's how Rav Hirsch explains this pasuk. Yisrael tells the enemy, you have struck me again and again so I might fall. You, you keep pushing me to try and make me fall down. You wanted me to fall down, and I would have if it hadn't been for Hashem's help. But Hashem azarani, but Hashem helped me. Ozi vizim raska, he was at my side, and therefore I was able to resist you. I became calm and serene and roused myself to song. In other words, Hashem azarani, Hashem saved me. Ozi, he's my strength. Vizim raska, so I sang a song to him because he was my strength. Indeed, this strength of mine, okay, this, let me, before I go any further. First, the first point here is that the reaction to Hashem saving me is song. And if I go two steps back, the cause of my song is the fact that I almost fell. The fact that I was under attack, right? You pushed me so that I would fall. But Hashem held me up, and therefore I roused my, I like, I gave myself a push to sing praise to you. Okay, there's, there's something over here, which, which we really spent time on at the beginning of Sukkot de Zimmer, in the introduction to Baruch Shammar, we had like, I don't know, five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was, introduction to this whole concept, talking about Yerushalayim and this idea where, why would it be that you'd have the singing, and that is connected to the difficulty. Okay? It is, there's something bridging it, which is Hashem's help, but there's a difficulty. I just realized I left my clinician This idea is going to carry into next week. I mean, this is not like a one-time thing, but <coughs> this idea, Ozi Vizim Raska, Hashem, you, 
Now, my enemies pushed me to try and make me fall. Hashem helped me, and therefore I roused myself to sing. And that was my salvation. This message number one, understanding of this Pasuk, is my enemies tried to push me down. Hashem helped me. He was my strength. Therefore, I brought myself to sing. And this saved me. It's an interesting, meaning we're used to sort of singing it, and it's beautiful, but you don't necessarily catch like what the stages are there. Okay, so I want to remind you, yeah, I wanted to remind you there's, this is a Pasuk we've seen before, a Rashi we've seen before. It's at the very end of Hazinu, speaking of songs, okay, because Hazinu is a song, right? Yes? Hazinu is a song? Okay. So the very last Pasuk of the song of Hazinu says like this. Harninu goyim amo. After the, the, the blood and God's describing like his, he's going to finally come and avenge, you know, all the things that the nations did. The nations are coming back and Hashem will avenge all of that and he'll pay back all of those who hate us and his blood will drip with their blood. I mean, it's like really gory. Harninu goyim amo. The nations will sing praise of God's nation, of God's people, at the time when Hashem avenges their blood. Okay. What praise will the non-Jews sing of the Jewish people at this, it's, it's literally the end of time. Hazinu, right, is a summary of all of human history. You've, you've heard that idea. We're not, we don't have time for that today, but Hazinu, the song of Hazinu is a summary of all of human history. So this is the last Pasuk. So we're okay, the next Pasuk is, and Moshe comes and sings this, this song with Yehoshua ben Nun, which one way of understanding that, that's one of the Pasukim that indicates Tchis HaMesa. Okay, because once you get to the end of human history, now you have Moshe will come back and sing his, this song with Yehoshua ben Nun. Okay, so... What song will the non-Jews, what praise will they sing of us? So Rashi says, Laoso Hazman, at that time, meaning the very end of human history, the non-Jews will yeshabhu ha'ovde ha'kochavim es Yisrael. The star worshippers, meaning the non-Jews, will praise the Jewish people. In what way, what is the praise that they will have for us? Re'u ma'shivcha shal umazu. Look at the praise of this people. Shedavku ba'kadosh baruchu who clung, who stuck close to Hashem, through all of the, of the suffering and difficulties that passed over them, and they never abandoned him. They knew, they were solid, they knew for a fact God's goodness and his praise. That's the praise they're going to have of us, is we went through so much, and yet... We stayed, we stayed with God. That's, that's going to be the praise. Okay, and I just want to like have that in my mind and come back. So you pushed me and shoved me. You tried to make me fall, but Hashem helped me. And therefore I sang, and that was my salvation. There's a kind of a running theme here, right? That it's not, there's a mushal. You could have a person who when they were, you know, 
10 years old were kidnapped and they used to have these people that they would take for 20, 30 years into the Tsar's army, right? They would take kids, six-year-olds, not even 10-year-olds, right? So you take a 10-year-old boy and he spends, I don't know, 20 years in the army for the Tsar. There's no Jews, there's no kosher food. There's, you know, he's like being picked on because he's Jewish. He's living in a muddy, maybe a tent, right? And after all these years, he comes home and his parents can't believe he's back. Most of these kids did not come back, but comes back. And his mother cooks him a hot meal and he sleeps in his bed for the first time in 20 years. He's very, very grateful to be there. You have a kid in the next house who for the last 20 years has been having hot meals every night and sleeping in his bed every night. Who has more to be grateful for? The second one, the one who never got kidnapped and taken off to be part of the army. But who is more grateful? The first one. Because he knows, he knows it doesn't have to be that way. <coughs> he realizes it. Okay. So there is a sort of a gratitude that can come. There's a kind of a sensitivity that can come through the suffering. Even though, like, you might say, well, why would you say that that's my salvation, that I'm singing to Hashem because I went through a scary situation and he saved me? Shouldn't it be that I'm praising Hashem? But Hallel is always like that. Hallel is like that. Hallel is very specific, right? Hashem opened the sea for us. Why do you have to open the sea? Why? Because there's a bunch of murderous Egyptians throwing arrows at you from right behind you, right? I mean, that's... The, the whole Hallel is a specification and speaking out. Here is what Hashem did for me. This is what he did for me when I was in trouble. I was in trouble and he did and he saved me and now I rouse myself to song. I think I sing praise to Hashem and there is a kind of arousal that has to happen within because a person could just be like overcome by, oh my gosh, look what I just went through. Right? Why did this have to happen at all? And we have to bring ourselves to say, but look what Hashem did for us. There's a purpose here. And this is our salvation. The long-term salvation, which is after we've already been saved from this immediate problem, there's a long-term salvation, like this Rashi taught, right, that comes of sticking with Hashem and singing his praise, even through all of those difficulties. You go through a lot, and yet you still are singing Hashem's praise, so then there's, and, and this reflection, this is characteristic hollow. We talked about we're reflecting back to Hashem's greatness. We're seeing, we're seeing greatness that is also strong and awesome and terrifying. And reflecting that back, being able to speak that out, saying the, in detail, there was this thing that went right and this thing that went right. And then, right, the seatbelt was on and it stayed latched and it had an automatic retractor and there was a front airbag, and there was a side airbag, and there were anti-lock brakes, and one thing after another, and we detail it, that leads to a salvation down the line. That builds some kind of strength inside of us that wasn't there before. This is, this again, ties back to that idea of Yerushamayim, where Hirsch says, strictly defined is to see God everywhere and feel your own littleness in his greatness. There's a, it's something that's born of that tension between how small and weak and vulnerable we are and, how, and 
in that, recognizing how great Hashem is and therefore being grateful for that. Okay, now to Negadelcha. Praising, <coughs> what is this idea of greatness? <coughs> I we're not. Okay, um, so Rav Schwab brings a couple different ways of defining this. One is the idea of making something gadol, bigger, is calling it to greater attention, like highlighting it. So in speaking out and singing Hallel and saying, here's what Hashem has done for me, that is a, a hagdala, like a making Hashem's name great, that people should be aware of it and notice it. If every time you thank Hashem for something, then the people around you start to notice, hey, Hashem is the one doing this, right? So that comes from actually pointing it out, not just taking it for granted. It also calls people's attention to things they might not have been aware of, including yourself. There might be details, there might be extra bits, right? This is this whole idea that you can develop your Shemayim and Avas Hashem by noticing what he does for you. <laughs> Speak it out, write it down, right? Little stuff, big stuff, doesn't matter, little thing. I'll tell you a very good habit, which truth is I learned it on my own, but I just saw it this week in a fantastic book called Ascending Jacob's Ladder by Rav Yaakov Hillel. Amazing, amazing book. Um, is it awesome? You'll love it. Ascending Jacob's Ladder, that's what it's called. It's in English by Rav Yaakov Hillel. It's from a series of shiurim he gave in English. So mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> strange. awesome book. Okay, so he mentions this over there also. Get in the habit of thanking Hashem, preferably out loud. <laughs> okay? For every, for little stuff, it changes your life. It's unbelievable. I got to tell you, like little things. Thank you for the parking space. That car, like kind of side sweat. Ooh, thank you for not, you know, thank you for letting me stop and talk. Sometimes it's little stuff that like you notice it at the moment, but since nothing happened, you just go on. And you won't remember even at the end of the day that thank you for there being one more clean pair of socks in the drawer. You know, <laughs> thank you that I brought my umbrella. Thank you for having the umbrella in the house instead of outside because now it's pouring. Okay, these little things just, and it doesn't have, you can say it with the whole detail or just saying thank you. And it's life changing. After like a few days of this, it's like your whole life is a conversation with God. It helps you open up to realize how all the things that are happening to you all the time are Hashem talking to you because you're answering. I, I, I can't point to you any other source other than the fact that I experienced it and now I see that Rav Hillel says something very similar. He also said, like, say it out loud. Just say thank you. Okay, but I could tell you from experience it's like an amazing, changing thing and it's an easy one. I, I, it sounds funny, but like, compared to all the Kabbalists that we take on ourselves, big and small, it's actually one of the easier ones. Because <laughs> it's not so much Yeshahar against it. You know? Also, it helps you just have that conversation with Hashem, whatever you're doing. That's always a good idea. But I found that this one small aspect of just like, you know, you're getting too hot and then the air conditioner cycles. Thank you. Just If a person did it, you would have said, oh, thanks for turning that on. Like I, I was getting kind of hot, right? right? So like if you didn't see a person do it, or maybe a person did do it, doesn't matter. You still say I thank you. I also make you a nicer person. Like you're noticing those details Because I say thank you to God a lot with the parking space. <laughs> and all that. But for, I would never th- like I should think about the air conditioning. Oh, it's on, it's off, you know. Right. That's, so you know, but you notice it always with the contrast. Right. And this is part of this lesson, right? Is that 
there's something, that unfortunately, because of the contrast, it takes that contrast often for us to notice. And then you become a nicer person. You, hopefully. <laughs> okay. There's a second meaning, though, of gadol, which is gedil. So there's a, pl- um, <coughs> not in the mitzvah of tzitzis that we're familiar with from Shema, but elsewhere, the Torah describes gedilim ta'aselecha. Make for yourself gedilim, and that means the tzitzis strings. Okay, gedila means braids. It's like something braided. It's knots or, or they're, they're braided. Okay, because negadelcha, so we will glorify you, make you great, right? Is a braiding. This is what Rav Schwab says. What does that mean? What kind, of, what kind of braiding technique do you use for praising God? So he says one thing is the way that the Chachamim put together Pesukim de Zimra is braiding together sometimes even multiple Pesukim from one place and another and putting it all together into a new like bouquet so that you have all these different things together and you get this beautiful image. But it's also the way that we think. It's a way of thinking which is teasing it apart into small strands and then tying them together again. That's braiding. right? You take the whole hair you break it into smaller sections, and then you braid it together again. And now you have the same clump of hair, only it's beautiful. It's also stronger. So that's a way of praising Hashem, meaning I'm going to look at the details. Let me tease apart what happened over here. There was this, and there was the next thing, and there was, it wasn't just, oh, we were fine. It was the brakes working. It was the tires working. It was the road wasn't too slick right there. It was, <coughs> you know... I don't, not such an expert, right? It was that they were going precisely the speed they were going and we were going precisely the speed we were going. Whatever it is, we can break it down into the smallest pieces and then bundle it back together and say, Hashem saved me. That's braiding. And that is an expansion of appreciation of God's goodness to us. That expands our way of thinking about it. Okay. There's another aspect of Gedula, which we have also mentioned before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, I did take a page from Ascending Jacob's Ladder here, though, which is Gedula, greatness, is measured in terms of influence. I think Rabbi Goldberg quotes Revolbi, and I, I, I'm not quoting, so I don't have the words right, so it's not exact, but something along the lines of the measure of a gadol is how wide his circle is. Right? It's something along those lines. Okay? The more people that are defined within my circle of identity that I'm caring for. Okay? So a Gadol be Yisrael has, has to be great in Torah learning. <laughs> but that's the beginning. You don't become a Gadol be Yisrael by being a genius. There are a lot of geniuses in history who were not Gadol Yisrael. They were great Talmud Chachamim. They just weren't Gadol Yisrael. Because being a gadol has to do with that influence and impact you make on others. And this is consistent. The midah of gedula is associated in Torah always with the midah of chesed. Okay, this is not just like a cute statement about how you treat other people. This is a fundamental of how the world works. The description of Hashem as gadol, hagadol hagibor vehanora. And we don't know what that means. I mean, we only say it because Moshe Rabbeinu said it. I don't know. <coughs> you know. But it is pointing us towards Hashem's aspect of chesed, which is the initiation of the creation of the world. Olam chesed hibane. Right? This, this complete influence over everything. 
the source of power, the source of life, the source of everything, the control of everything, all of that chesed of doing for the other, that's gedula, greatness. So here's what Rav Hillel says. Hashem is perfect in every form of perfection we can imagine, as well as those we can never imagine. He lacks nothing, so he didn't have to create the world. However, Hashem had a desire to give of his perfection, and you can't give unless there's a recipient. So Hashem created the world so there would be someone to whom he could give. Using a simple language for a Kabbalistic concept. This is the purpose of creation, as Ramchal explains it from Kabbalistic sources, including the Zohar. While we cannot understand the full depth of this reason, we can know that the ultimate perfection of goodness comes through giving. In other words, what does it mean that Hashem wanted to give and so he needs a recipient to give? That, uh, that's outside of our scope. But there's a message there that we need to understand, which is as perfect as a person is, perfection only comes through giving. Okay, he gives earlier in this essay, he talks about a rabbi who's a big Talmud Chacham and knows all the parts of Torah and sits and learns by himself in a closet. He doesn't teach anyone. He knows a ton, right? There's room to perfect. There's room to perfect. If you would be giving to other people through it, right, there's something even greater that he could do with what he's learning. And you have that same idea with, with Devorah. Devorah was a prophetess, right? And she was a shofetess. She was a judge. Rabbi Leff's description of Devorah, you know, she drove a tank, she led the army, she had, she had like this CV, you know, she was the judge, she was the prime minister, she was the judge, whatever, the Supreme Court. Everyone followed her psak halacha, right? And in the end, she praises herself. Her, her, her self-identity is that she's a mother of Israel. And she asked Devorah, she says, Uri Uri Devorah, Aimbi Israel, a mother of Israel. Right? So it's interesting. Like he, he says, so maybe, maybe what she's telling us is that there's a lot to be proud of being a mother of Israel, that it's not just that you would hope to be like the men. Because Devorah did all the men's jobs. <laughs> and that wasn't what she was so excited about. Right? She could do any of those jobs. No problem. Right? When she told Barak, go and, go and fight the war, he said, we'd rather have you along. She said, it's not going to make you look good. So it doesn't matter. We'd, we'll do better with you there. Okay? She was a real leader. Right? Why was she a leader? So Chazal say, because the Tamil Chachamim of her time were small. I Meaning, why do you have to have Devorah do it? I, she could be a great Tamidah Chachama. Okay, great. But like, weren't there any Tamidah Chachamim who could do that job? Like, it's a very masculine job. Have, all, all the men are going to come for their Psakalacha from all over and every Bezdin, right? They're going to come to her to Paskin like a Bezdin. It's a little bit like, it's not, it's not bad for her, but it's a little bit of a. It's a little bit lower for the rest of the nation, right? It's not considered kavod hatzibur. When a woman has to be the one who gets up and gives the speech, the Dvar Torah, it's not a big kavod hatzibur. It could be she's the best person for the job. Devorah was the best person for the job, so she did it, right? But why was she the best person for the job? Where was everybody? Shouldn't there be a few people who qualify? Like her and a few people? They were small. And they're compared to palm trees, right? She sat under a palm tree. So it's because the shadow of a palm tree is small. Some palm trees have a lot of foliage, but it's all the way up there. So the shadow of the palm tree is small. The impact it makes down here on the ground, the circle is small. 
right? This idea of gedula, the bigness of the star, it's just such a, a vivid image with the palm tree, right? That the, they, Chazal say the shade, their shade was, was minimal, right? It's not that they were minimal, but their shade was minimal. The people at that time? The Tamide Chachamim of the door of, of Devorah, Silom Muat. Matamar zet silo muat, aft silo muatin. Just like this palm tree has a small shadow, they had a small shadow. It's comparing to, to the palm tree in terms of the shadow, right? Not in terms of how tall it is or how wide it is, but what its effect is down below. That was the issue, okay? That's godless. Godless is, and she sat under the palm tree. <laughs> She's down here where the people could actually come and like get a psak. It's very nice if you have people sitting in an ivory tower and learning, but if you can't go to them to get a din done made, like so what, it doesn't help. She's the shofetas because she made herself available to people. She was there. For some reason, Tamida Chachamim were not giving that influence to people. Okay. There's a perfection that comes through giving. Being good within oneself is not the perfection of goodness. The perfection of goodness comes through being able to give. That's olam chesed yibaneh. That the world was created so Hashem could give goodness and kindness to his created beings. Can you repeat that again? Perfection of goodness is what? The perfection of goodness comes through being able to give. Okay. Again. <clears throat> Again, this unigadelcha then is our expression. It's two things. One is it's expressing how much Hashem has given to us and in detail, which causes Hashem to be more gadol in the world. In other words, to have a greater influence and impact. Because every time I speak out my gratitude to Hashem and detail what he has done, then there's people outside of me who know it, right? So the influence is expanding. Hashem's influence in the actions he takes towards me now reach beyond me. They go past me. They go to whoever I mentioned it to, right? That's an, another way of understanding unigadelcha. We will make you greater. It's not that we can't make, like that doesn't mean anything, right? But we can make, we can make the influence of the chesed, we can, we can give it a little boost by spreading it. Yeah, Kohamar Vilasapir. All right, you say you say it more, and that's yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, yikes. Okay, I really we've got a point here that we really need to make. Okay, and this bridges these these ideas. I'm losing my place here. Okay, there's a pasuk in Tehillim, Ledavid Mizmor, Chesed Umishpat Ashira. Chesed and justice, I will sing. L'cho Hashem azamera. To you, Hashem, I will sing Zimra. Okay? You're starting to hear there's like, there's the Chesed and there's the Mishpat. And either way, I sing. Okay? Tehillim nun vav. By Elohim ahalal davar. To the Lord, Elohim, right? That's Midas Hadin. I will halal, I'll sing halal. I, or I will reflect the davar. I will reflect the words. Bahashem ahalal davar. It's one pasuk. Amazing pasuk. <laughs> Hashem is the name of chesed. And it's all one pasuk. And it's the same message, right? Whether it's something sweet or whether it's something difficult, I will sing praise of Hashem. We're going to come back to this in Hashem next week, this particular set of sukkim. 
Okay. In fact, I'm going to move it over so I don't forget to say it next time. Pop it back here. All right. So, this concept of praising Hashem, whether it's chesed or mishpat, this goes to unashabechacha, we will praise you. It was hinted to in the Rashi where he keeps bringing the shevach, right? What will be the shevach of the nations? It will be that we knew Hashem's goodness and praised him. We were mishabeachim. That's what they're going to say at the end of days. That's how they're going to praise us. Mm-hmm. Shevach technically means to improve something. Mashbiach is to improve it, to smooth it, to fix it up. Which tells us something about shevach as a term for praise. There's lahodos, lahalel, right? There's all kinds of words for praise. Jews, you know, Eskimos might have 20 words for praise. No, they don't. It's, that's like an urban myth. But, you know, Jews will have 20 words for praising God. Okay. You, you have what matters to you, right? Shevach, though, means to improve something. What does that mean? Unashabechacha? Okay. So unashabechacha is because it's a way of praising Hashem in situations where it might not be obvious, at least at first, that it's good. You hear? There's a special kind of praise called shevach, not hallel, not lahodos, okay? Shevach is the praise of God in situations that we don't see right away that Hashem is hatova hametiv. Which is, in fact, a Gemara. Chayav Adam Levarichal Hara, it's a Mishnah. Chayav Adam Levarichal Hara, Hashem Shemavarichal Atov. A person is obligated to thank Hashem for that which is bad or difficult the same way that he blesses Hashem for that which is good. And that brought, that's called shevach, improving our perception of Hashem. Helping, when we make, help ourselves, when we bring ourselves to see Hashem as entirely good, even in situations that don't appear that way, that's called shevach. Rav Schwab says, this, that was from Rav Schwab. Rav Schwab also says, he says, it also includes the idea of silence. Sometimes there's things that like a person doesn't say until he is ready to say, right? That can also be a kind of praise. All right. So this idea of that we, that a kind of praise of Hashem that comes from seeing that he is entirely good, even in a situation where we don't see he's entirely good. So I want to share with you a really a special Dvar Torah that I saw about this. And this comes to the Nachal Mishkamzu and the Rabbi Akiva. Okay, we have, I think we have done in the past shiurim on Hatova HaMetiv and Baruch Dayanemes. So I'm not gonna repeat those, right? Um, and we did something like that at your house on benching, because the fourth bracha is Hatova HaMetiv. Okay, which goes like this. The Gemara in Brachos <coughs> says, Chayavadim Levarech Bechulik. Okay, quotes that Mishnah, which is that a person is obligated to thank Hashem for the bad, just like he thanks Hashem for the good. What does it mean that the same way you thank Hashem for the bad, you should thank Him for the good? We know that the mitzvah is that you thank Hashem for the good by saying a bracha, Baruch Hashem, Hametiv. Is the Mishnah trying to tell me I should make that same bracha also when something bad happens? 
Okay, now there's a different Gemara that says, no, that's an Olam Haba. The difference between Olam Haza and Olam Haba is in Olam Haza, we say Hatova Hametiv for good, and we say Baruch Dayan Ha'emes, Baruch Tasha Mokenim Elholim Dayan Ha'emes for bad news. And in the next world, meaning in the Messianic era, we will say Hatova Hametiv for everything, in fact, because that is how we will see everything. Okay, so then what is the Mishnah saying if the Mishnah says that you should thank Hashem the same way for the bad as the good? Because halacha lemaisa, the Mishnah also tells us that it's two different brachos. So what's the deal over here? So what it means is that for good news, you say hatova hametiv, and for bad news, you say dayan hamas, meaning the same way you make a bracha, you make the bracha, but it's not that it's the same bracha. And perhaps, really, what the message is here, Rava says, is that it's not that it's the same bracha, but it's that you have to accept it the same way. It's not that the words you use are the same, but accepting it with simcha is what we would strive for. That's a tough one, right? This is similar to this idea of the shevach. How do you praise Hashem? What do you say to God when things are hard that make you the same way that you would thank Hashem for it when it's good? And then the Gemara quotes, Rav Acha, Misham, Rabbi Levi, like the Pasuk, chesed umishpat ashira, I will sing about chesed and justice. Okay? And whether it is chesed or whether it is justice, I will still sing to Hashem. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani quoted a different pasuk. Okay? That's also, whether it's the Mida Tova, whether it's the Mida Velokim, either way, Mida Poranos, Mida Tova, I will, I will give praise to Hashem. Rabbi Tanchum said, Kos Yeshua Sasa Uva Shem Hashem Ekra. David Amelech says, I lift a cup of salvation and call out in the name of Hashem. And David Amelech also said, When I discover suffering and pain, I will also call out in the name of Hashem. Okay, and the Chachamim also cited a different pasuk: Hashem gives, Hashem takes, may Hashem's name be blessed. A person should always accustom himself to say, That's what I wrote up there, okay? What called the avid, the avid is la'avod, to work, right? So whatever God works, Rahmana is like the merciful one. Whatever the merciful one does, latav avid, he did it for good. How do we know a person should say that? We learn it from Rabbi Akiva. It once happened that he was on his way and he looked for a place to stay in a town. Right, it's all the little Friday. kids books. Yeah, all the little kids books have this story also, right? And they would not allow him to stay there. He comes to a village and they say, sorry, we don't take guests in this village. So he's stuck outside of town, like in the forest or out in the fields. And he said, called Avid Rahman al-Latav, whatever God does is good. And he, while he was traveling, he had with him a rooster and a donkey and a flame. And a wind came and blew out the flame, and a wild cat came and ate his rooster, and a lion came and ate his donkey. Now, you know, I was reading this over again, <laughs> preparing for the share, and I'm like, you know, the wind blowing out your fire is like, it could be annoying, it could be even scary, like you're in the dark, and now he can't learn, and now, you know, okay. And let's say it could be a small cat, it could be a bobcat, I don't know, you know, like, but a lion came and ate his donkey? That's like traumatic. Forget the loss of the donkey. He's going to have to walk. Like, that's really scary. Right? In the dark. In the dark. Like, there's a lot. It could have gotten him. Well, he could be just thankful that he's a donkey. 
Right. So that's right. I'm saying that's what we're kind of talking about over here, right? But like it just struck me. I've heard this story a lot of times and it never like occurred to me like, "Oh my gosh, he had a lion come close enough to eat his donkey and like he's still there." And what he said was, "Kol David Rahman Latavavid. Whatever God does is good." Okay, it's for the good. All right. The next morning he wakes up and he discovers that this troop of soldiers had come, I guess Roman soldiers had come, and they had surrounded the city and they had ended up like burning and pillaging the entire city. So the fact that they didn't let him stay there saved him. The fact that his fire blew out saved him because they didn't discover that he was there. The fact that the rooster died and the donkey died also saved him because they would have made noise and again, he would have been discovered. So in the end, he saw that it really was good. Okay, it's a a fantastic story. There's a lot of lessons we have to learn, but it's already nine o'clock, so we can't learn too many of them all in one bite, but many of them you can figure out on your own. All right. The Maharsha asks a question. The Maharsha says, how come the Gemara brings the story of Rabbi Akiva to teach us that the way you thank God for the bad is the way you should thank God for the good? Why didn't it bring the case of Nahum Ish Gamzu? Ish Gamzu was the Rebbe of Rabbi Akiva. So first of all, it precedes him, right? Why was he called Ish Gamzu? It's a different Gemara in Brachos. Uh, no, sorry, in Tainus. Okay, why did they call him Ish Gamzu? So some people say because he came from a town called Gimzo, maybe. Okay, but the Gemara says he was called Gamzu because he always would say whatever happened, always on his lips were the words Gamzu Latova. Also, this is good. So it once happened to him that he was dispatched as a messenger on behalf of the Jewish people to bring an enormous gift to the new Caesar. Okay? They sent him to the Roman emperor with a gift with the tribute from the Jews. And they said, "Who should we send?" And they said, "Send Nahumish Gamzu because miracles seem to happen wherever he goes, it would be safest." So they sent him and with this enormous chest full of precious jewels and pearls and treasure as a gift for the king. And he had to sleep overnight in, a, in an inn. And the innkeepers somehow figured out this chest looked like it was important. And they popped the lock. They emptied out all the valuables. And they filled it with dirt. And they closed it again. And he did not realize that something had changed because now it was full of rocks. It was still full of rocks, but they were, they were cheap ones. Okay. So he gets up in the morning and he continues to the palace. And he says, here, we have the gift for you, you know, with all due respect to the emperor. And when they opened it, it was full of dirt. And, so they, and he said, Gamzulatova. And then the emperor said, off with his head. Like, what kind of insult is this? Okay, by the way, that's not the worst of it, because he knows what's, what's going to happen to the Jews. It's not just what happens to him. Okay. So they said they're going to kill him. And he said, again, Gamzulatova. Like, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to you? This is Gamzulatova. Okay. Eliyahu Hanavi came in the guise of one of the advisors to the emperor, and he said, you know, I once heard an old legend. He was telling a medrash. The medrash says that when Avraham went to fight the kings, the four kings, that he threw dirt, and the dirt turned into arrows and rained on them. He said, I once heard a legend that their forefather of the Jews had this dust, and when he threw it, it turned into weapons. He said, maybe they know the secret. Like maybe, they, maybe it was actually a gift. You didn't give him much of a chance to explain himself. So the emperor said, okay, test it. So they took some outside, they threw it, 
and it actually fell down and rained down as like arrows and spears. So he said, oh, let him go. Okay, that's good. And he says, Gamzulatova. Okay. So he's going back. Meantime, he stops in the same inn because he didn't understand. I, I guess he didn't know that that's what happened. And they heard what happened. So these inn people are like, oh, the dirt in our backyard is magic. <laughs> right? So they bring more to the king. And they say, we have the magic dirt that, like what the Jews have. So, of course, the emperor tries it, and it's just dirt, and he kills them. Okay. So the Maharsha says, why do we not use the story of Nachomish Gamzu? Why does the Gemara go down to Rabbi Akiva to say, call the Avid Rahman al Okay, so well, he we, gives an answer. We've heard this story many times, Nachomish Gamzu. Nachomish Gamzu, yeah, but that's not the case that's brought in the Gemara when it's telling you, thank Hashem for the bad, the same way you thank him oh, for the good. It gives okay. the example of Rabbi Akiva. So why Rabbi Akiva? You should give the example of Nachomish Gamzu. That's his teacher. He came before him. He learned it from him, so you should, we should also learn it from him. Why are we learning it from Rabbi Akiva? So the Maharsha gives an answer. Many students and yeah, but all his students are, are not from Wisconsin students in a way. I'm saying I don't know. Okay. less supernatural. So, so the Maharal gives a different answer. Ma, uh, Maharsha, sorry. Maharsha says it's because Rabbi Akiva used the word Rahmana, which refers to Hashem, mm. the, ra, the Rahman. So there's a little bit of a higher level because it has Hashem's name. That's Maharsha's answer. But there's another answer, which is the reason I wanted to tell this, that, he, that is told over in the name of Rav Michal Zilber of Israel. Okay, he says, if we look at these two phrases, Rabbi Akiva's is in Aramaic, and Nachomish Gamzu's is in Hebrew. I have to like translate for you, and Gamzu Latov, I don't have to translate for you, right? Okay, I mean, not for you personally, but all right. What's the difference between Aramaic and Hebrew? Aramaic is kind of like Hebrew. It uses the same roots. It's a, it's a kind of Hebrew that's hard to understand as Hebrew because it has strayed away enough that it's not just a dialect of Hebrew, it's kind of a different language, but it's basically Hebrew. It's kind of messed up Hebrew. I'm not joking. That's actually what it's called. It's messed up Hebrew. It's that's like, what Aramaic is. It's, like it's a corrupted Hebrew. The, <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, it's a messed up kind of Hebrew. Nachomish Gamzu is speaking Lashon Kodesh. So Lashon Kodesh, our first instinct should be to say, so then we should learn from Nachomish Gamzu, because that's like a higher level. First of all, he's the earlier Rebbe. Second of all, he's speaking in the language uh, that's holier. However, the two stories, the story of Rabbi Akiva and the story of Nachomish Gamzu, and the way that they phrase their responses tells us something about how they are reacting. Nachomish Gamzu saw things as good. Gamzulatova, this is also good. Gamzulatova, this is also good. The story that I told you about Nachomish Gamzu follows in the Gemara other stories of Nachomish Gamzu. And they said, how could such terrible things happen to you? He said, no, I brought it on myself. Like, he didn't see things as bad. He saw them as good. He understood when this happened, when they opened the box and there was dirt inside, he didn't think this is really bad, but I'm sure Hashem has a plan. Nachomish Gamzu's reaction is Gamzu Latova. This is what's good. This must be how Hashem is planning to do good for the Jewish people. He wasn't like phased by it. Whatever happened, this is how Hashem is saving us. This is how Hashem is saving us. It is a higher level in its way. Rabbi Akiva is sitting in the dark, right? people screaming, I don't know, 
and he speaks in the language that is darker. He speaks in a language that's not the purity of Lashon Kodesh. And he says, whatever Hashem is doing, he is doing it for the sake of the good. Meaning, quoted many times from Rabbi Orlowick, I don't know where you're taking me, God, but I know it's somewhere good. Okay, he has the equal faith that this is good, but he's, he can't see it. And the language itself expresses it by putting it into a language of what he calls like a language of Golas. Aramaic is the Jewish language of Golas. It's a different message. It's a little bit of a different message. Because what the Gemara wants to tell us is, how do we deal with it when we see something that appears to us to be bad? We couldn't learn that from Nahomish Gamzu. Because Nahomish Gamzu didn't see things as bad and yet trust that Hashem really was doing it for good. He saw it all as good. If we want to learn what it means to experience something as being dark and difficult, and then say, but you know, it's not just in the end it'll be good. This is good, I, but I can't see it. You have to learn that from Rabbi Akiva. You can't learn that from Nachum Mishkamsu. I, I thought this was an amazing Devar Torah. <laughs> I don't know. I like this this distinction here. Next week in Mir Hashem, we'll continue. I have another Rabbi Akiva story that's going to go to the next part of what we're saying, not to this part, to the Vinaz Kir Shimcha, um, that also ties into the same idea, the same quality of Rabbi Akiva, of being in the dark and being able from in the dark place to praise Hashem. Come out and say, I'm praising Hashem. I see He's saving me. I can. I, I, I don't see He's saving me, but I know He's saving me. That's this quality. That is a quality of Rabbi Akiva. That's a different statement than this one you're saying. No, I think it's the same one. Well, we'll get to that. That's going to be next week. Because that's a different, a different part of the puzzle. Okay? Thank you. Thank you so much.